0: A warm welcome to this service of Choral Evensong from St Paul's Cathedral for the second Sunday after Trinity. In this service, through word, song and silence, we shall acknowledge the saving presence of God with us. For as Psalm 46, the psalmody set for this evening, reminds us, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble.
1: shall show forth thy praise. O
2: God, make me to save us.
1: O Lord, make haste to help us. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.
2: Praise ye the Lord.
1: The Lord's name be praised.
3: Here begins the 24th chapter of the first book of Samuel. When Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all of Israel and went to look for David and his men in the direction of the rocks of the wild goats. He came to the sheepfolds beside the road where there was a cave. And Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave. The men of David said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord said to you, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it seems good to you. Then David went and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's cloak. Afterwards David was stricken to the heart because he'd cut off a corner of Saul's cloak. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to raise my hand against him, for he is the Lord's anointed. So David scolded his men severely and did not permit them to attack Saul. Then Saul got up and left the cave and went on his way. Afterwards, David also rose up and went out of the cave and called after Saul, My lord, the king! When Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the ground and did obeisance. David said to Saul, Why did you listen to the words of those who say, David seeks to do you harm? This very day your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you into my hand in the cave, and some urged me to kill you. But I spared you. I said, I will not raise my hand against the Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, see the corner of your cloak in my hand. For by the fact that I cut off the corner of your cloak and did not kill you, you may know for certain that there is no wrong or treason in my hands. I have not sinned against you, though you are hunting me to take my life. May the Lord judge between me and you. May the Lord avenge me on you. But my hand shall not be against you. As the ancient proverb says, Out of the wicked comes forth wickedness. But my hand shall not be against you. Against whom has the King of Israel come out? Whom do you pursue? A dead dog? a single flea. May the Lord therefore be judge and give sentence between me and you. May he see to it and plead my cause and vindicate me against you. When David had finished speaking these words to Saul, Saul said, Is that your voice, my son David? Saul lifted up his voice and wept. He said to David, You are more righteous than I, for you have repaid me good, whereas I have repaid you evil. Here ends the first lesson.
4: Here begins the 12th verse of the 14th chapter of the Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to the leader of the Pharisees who had invited him to a meal, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbours in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. One of the dinner guests on hearing this said to him, blessed is anyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then Jesus said to him, someone gave a great dinner and invited many. At the time for the dinner he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of land and I must go out and see it. Please accept my apologies. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I am going to try them out. Please accept my apologies. Another said, I have just been married and therefore I cannot come. So the safe returned and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and said to his slave, Go out at once into the streets and lanes of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. And the slave said, Sir, what you ordered has been done and there is still room. Then the master said to the slave, Go out into the roads and lanes and compel people to come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those who were invited will taste my dinner. Here ends the second lesson.
1: Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy
2: upon
1: Thy salvation, O Lord, save the
2: Queen
1: and mercifully hear us when we call upon Thee.
2: Endure Thy ministers with righteousness
1: and make Thy chosen people joyful. thine inheritance.
2: Give peace in our time, O Lord.
1: Because there is none other that fighteth for us, but only Thou, O God.
2: O God, may clean our hearts within us.
1: And take not Thy Holy Spirit from us.
2: without charity are nothing worth. Send thy Holy Spirit and pour into our hearts that most excellent gift of charity, the very bond of peace and of all virtues, without which whosoever liveth is counted dead before thee. Grant this for the sake of thine only Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. The world cannot give. That both our hearts may be set to obey the command.
0: As I read the Gospel for today, I couldn't stop thinking about those who provide hospitality for the thousands of people who frequent our towns and cities. The publican, the landlady, the waiters and waitresses, the cafe, bar and restaurant owners, and what our current distancing rules are doing to their livelihoods. The cafe which I use from time to time is just around the corner from where I live. It's family-run, and TripAdvisor comments a testament to the way in which city workers, construction builders, tourists and passers-by, all seem to find it a most welcoming place. But I wonder how they're doing now and whether they'll survive the brutal realities facing small businesses following the pandemic. Chapter 14 of Luke's Gospel brings together two parables about hospitality. At one level, the first is a piece of practical advice. You may want to avoid embarrassment in front of your guests. If you're invited to a party, don't start in the seat of honour in case someone of higher status comes in and your host has to move you down a few seats. Jesus confronts the small-mindedness of those who are jostling for position with a large-hearted love of God, a love which looks out for the outsider, the stranger, hence the second parable. Here at the great banquet, in the absence of the A-listers, Jesus seems to have intended his hearers to take seriously the radical suggestion about who to invite. Social conditions have changed, of course, and in many parts of the world people no longer live in small villages, where meals are eaten with the doors wide open and today this kind of radical inclusivity may be harder to put into practice but it begs the question of all of us about where we see ourselves in this parable worship and prayer can easily be crowded out and many of our excuses make sense in a culture which prioritises work and family and friends but we're also prompted to consider who Jesus might be referring to when he suggests that we go out into the streets and lanes of our cities, towns, and villages and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. The UK hospitality industry may be worth £100 billion, but the reality in the kitchens or behind the smiles of those who serve us is that this same industry has an unacceptably high number of staff struggling with addictions, relationship breakdowns, high stress levels, and job insecurities. If Jesus were physically present with us today, I wonder if he would tell us a different story, a parable about about those in the hospitality sector, those who are struggling to find hope in the future, or those who have recently been unemployed because their businesses have collapsed. I wonder if he would turn the tables and get us to think about the people who ordinarily serve us, those whose level of need is rarely noticed. The twist to Jesus' parable in Luke chapter 14 is that the party to which the original guests were invited is Jesus's kingdom, his open-hearted invitation to all who will come. Christians reading this anywhere in the world must work out in their own churches and context what it means to celebrate God's kingdom so that the people at the bottom of the pile, at the end of the line, the ones who are most forgotten by our society, would find it to be good news. You may, like me, wonder how literally we're meant to take Jesus's words about inviting into our actual homes those who are not normally welcome at our parties? Is there too great a cultural disconnect from the first century world for this part of what he asks to be realistic anymore? Is it enough to host feasts elsewhere for those on the margins, rather than inviting people to sit around our own kitchen tables? I don't know exactly how Jesus would answer that question today, but I'm confident that a good starting point is to do something. All are invited to the feast, and God's banqueting table is long enough and wide enough to include many unexpected guests, however distance we are required to be.
5: Let us pray. We pray for the Church throughout the world, and in the Anglican Communion for the Church in Nigeria, and for Archbishop Henry. We give thanks for our relationship with the Scandinavian churches, Praying today for the Church in Sweden in the Diocese of Visby and for Bishop Thomas. Also for the Church in Denmark in the Diocese of Copenhagen and for Bishop Peter. Within this, our Diocese of London, we pray for Sarah, our Bishop, and for the work of Miles Baker, Kensington Area Director of Ministry. We pray for our world, for all who are in need, for the sick and the dying, for health services and hospitals under pressure, and for all who care for the sick. We pray too for all who face prejudice and discrimination in our world, for victims of abuse and violence, and for all who work for equality. And in silence we bring to God our own prayers, praying for ourselves as well as for those we love, and for the concerns that rest on our own hearts. Almighty God, by whose grace we have made our requests known to you in unity of spirit, and whose promise is that our prayer shall be answered when asked in your Son's name, graciously fulfil the desires of our hearts, as may be most for our good, and grant us in this world knowledge of your truth, and in the world to come, life everlasting. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit